Section 34 of Monday Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Monday Tales by Alphonse Daudet. Translated by Marion McIntyre. Section 34 House for Sale. Above the gate, a wooden gate, badly put together, and not preventing the sandy soil of the little garden from mingling with the earth of the road, a sign had hung for some time, scarcely stirred under the sun of summer, but twisted and shaken by every gale of autumn. House for sale. And something seemed to say that it was a deserted house as well, so deep was the silence surrounding it and yet someone dwelt there. A tiny, bluish ring of smoke ascending from the brick chimney which rose slightly above the wall betrayed that an existence was in hiding here, an existence as sad, as inobtrusive as the smoke of that meagre fire. Through the loose and rickety boards of that gate could be seen, not the abandon and emptiness, that indescribable something in the air which precedes and announces an auction sale and departure, but instead were trim walks, rounded arbours, water cans near an artificial basin, and gardener's tools leaning against the side of the tiny house. It was merely a peasant's cottage built on an incline, propped by a tiny stairway, which placed the first story on the shady side the ground floor facing the south. On that side it looked like a hothouse. There were bell glasses piled up along the walks, empty flower pots turned upside down, others, in rows and filled with geraniums and verbenas, stood in the warm white sand. Except for the shade of three great plane trees, the garden basked in sunshine. A fruit wall and fruit trees with fan-shaped props of iron wire stood in the sunshine, somewhat robbed of their leafage, but merely for the sake of the fruit. There were strawberry beds, too, and peas well propped. In the midst of all these things, surrounded by order and calm, an old man in a straw hat went up and down through the walks all day long, watering his garden through the early hours of the day, pruning branches, and trimming borders. The old man knew no one in the neighbourhood, except for the baker's wagon, which stopped at every door of the only street in the village, he never received a visit. Sometimes, in search of one of those lots of land halfway up the hill, always fruitful, and making such charming orchards, some passer-by would sight the sign, and pause to ring. At first the house would remain deaf. At the second ring there was heard the sound of wooden shoes approaching slowly from the farthest end of the garden, and the old man opened the door halfway with a furious air. What do you want? Is this house for sale? Yes, answered the worthy man, with some effort. Yes, it is for sale but I will tell you in advance that the price is very high. And his hand was placed upon the door, ready to close it and obstruct all entrance. 
and his eyes compelled you to go away they showed such anger he remained there guarding like a dragon his plots of vegetables and his little sand-yard people passed on their way asking themselves what maniac this might be with whom they had to deal and what was meant by this folly of putting up that sign for sale and showing such desire that his house should remain unsold the mystery was explained to me one day as i passed the little house i heard the sound of animated voices in eager discussion it must be sold papa it must be sold you promised and the tremulous voice of the old man was heard but my children i ask nothing better than to sell it look have i not put up a sign i thus learned that these were his sons and his daughters-in-law petty parisian shopkeepers who were compelling him to dispose of this well-loved spot for what reason i do not know but one thing was certain they had begun to find that matters were moving too slowly and from that day they appeared regularly every sunday to harass the unfortunate man and oblige him to keep his promise in that deep sabbath stillness when even the earth itself rests after sowing and labouring all week long i could hear those voices very plainly from the road the shopkeepers were talking arguing among themselves as they played tono and that word money spoken by those sharp voices had all the hard metallic sound of the quoits they were tossing in the evening they would all depart again and after the old man had reconducted them along the road for a few steps he returned quickly and gladly closed his big gate with another week of respite before him for seven days space the house was silent again in the little sun-baked garden nothing could be heard but the sound of sand crushed under a heavy foot and the dragging of a rake but as weeks went on the old man was tormented and pressed more and more the shopkeepers employed every means little children were brought there to seduce him don't you see grandpapa when the house is sold you shall live with us we shall all be so happy together and there were whispered asides in every corner endless promenades along the walks calculations made in a loud voice on one occasion i heard one of the daughters exclaim the shanty is not worth a hundred sous it is only fit to be torn down the old man listened silently they talked of him as though he were already dead of his house as if it were already demolished he walked about his body bent his eyes full of tears through force of habit feeling for a branch he might prune a fruit he might care for in passing and it was evident that his life was so firmly rooted in this little spot of earth that he had not strength to tear himself away from it and indeed no matter what was said to him he always contrived to put off the moment of departure in summer with the ripening of those slightly acid fruits which exhale the freshness of the season as the cherries and the currants black and red ripened he said we must wait till after they have been gathered 
I will sell it immediately after that. But after the gathering, when the cherry season had gone by, came the peaches, then the grapes, and after the grapes, those beautiful brown medlars which may be gathered almost up to the time of the first snowfall. Then winter arrived. The country was dismal then, the garden had nothing left in it. No passers-by, no purchasers. The shopkeepers themselves no longer appeared of a Sunday. Three long months of rest in which to prepare for the sowing, to prune the fruit trees while that useless sign rocked back and forth upon the road, swayed by wind and rain. At length, grown impatient, and persuaded that the old man was striving to drive away every purchaser, his children took a decided step. One of the daughters-in-law proceeded to install herself in the house. A little shopwoman, finely arrayed from early morning, comely in appearance, and possessing that artificial sweetness, that obsequious amiability cultivated by people accustomed to a commercial life. The very highway seemed to belong to her. She opened the gate wide, talked loudly, smiling at every passer-by as if to say, Come in, don't you see that the house is for sale? No more respite for the poor old man. At times he would endeavour to forget her presence, dig his garden plots, and sow them once more, as a man who stands in the presence of death and loves to delude even his fears by devising new plans. But all the time the shopwoman followed him about, tormenting him. Bah, what good is that? You are taking all this trouble for others. He never replied to her, but continued his work with a singular obstinacy. Had he let his garden alone, he would have felt that already it was partly lost to him, that he must begin to wean himself from it. Therefore he did not permit a single blade of grass in the walks, or a single gourmand among his rose-bushes. Meanwhile purchasers did not present themselves. The war was in progress, and all in vain did the woman keep that gate wide open, and make eyes affably at the road. She saw loads of furniture moved away, nothing more. Only dust entered at the gate. From day to day the woman's temper grew more sour. Her business in Paris needed her presence. I heard her heap reproaches upon her father-in-law, make genuine scenes with him, slamming the doors. The old man bent his back and said nothing, but consoled himself with watching his little peas beginning to climb, and with seeing always in the same place that sign, House for Sale. That year, when I arrived in the country, I recognised the house, but alas, the sign was no longer there. Torn, mouldy placards still hung along the walls, but all was over. The house had been sold. Instead of the great grey entrance was a green gate, freshly painted, with a swelling fronton and a small grated opening through which one could peep into the garden. It was no longer the fruit orchard of other days, but a bourgeois heap of flower-beds, of lawns and cascades, and everything was reflected in a huge metal ball which swayed back and forth in front of the steps. 
Reflected in this ball, the walks were seen bordered with gaudy flower beds, and two figures whose size was even exaggerated. One was a big, red-faced man, dripping with perspiration, and buried in a rustic chair. The other was an enormous woman, who cried, quite out of breath, as she brandished a watering pot, I have put fourteen canfuls upon the balsams. They had built for themselves, renovated the palisades, and in this little house, completely remodelled and still smelling of paint, a piano was playing familiar quadrilles and polkas and dance-hall airs at full speed. This dance-music, which could be heard out on the road, making one warm to listen, the thick dust of that July day, the vulgar display of big flowers and fat women, this excessive and trivial gaiety rent my heart. I was thinking of the poor old man who used to walk there, so happy and peaceful. I pictured him in Paris, his straw hat upon his head. I seemed to see the bent shoulders of the old gardener as he wandered about in the middle of some back shop, weary, timid, tearful, while his daughter-in-law, the triumphant owner of a new counter, jingled the money the little house had brought. End of section 34